Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Box with your host and CEO of Babelbox, Sherry Langberg. Sherry interviews the world's biggest brands, agencies, and influencers to uncover their influencer marketing secrets to success. Go behind the scenes and learn how you can make influencer marketing part of your social media playbook. Subscribe to Beyond the Box at podcast.babelbox.com. Listen to all of your favorite episodes and follow us on Instagram for more influencer marketing inspiration. I met today's guest back in 2013 at BlogHer, and she is a pioneer in our space. I'm so pleased to welcome Issa Mass, award-winning writer, influencer, and homeschooling expert who will be sharing her insights on this topic, which I'm sure is top of mind for many parents right now. Welcome, Issa. Hi, Sherry. Nice to connect with you again. Thanks for having me here. No, of course. I want to go to the Wayback Machine. Can you tell us? Because <laughs> I just, I remember uh, Single Mama NYC. Could you yeah. tell, tell us what that was? And yeah. Okay. So um, in 2007, I called off my wedding, um, but was pregnant and decided to go ahead and become sort of a single mom by choice. And I was sort of on my own with this, um, was looking at, you know, anything I could find online, articles, blogs, and there were surprisingly few blogs um, written about women who were single from pregnancy, whether it's through artificial insemination, however it happened. And there were very few at the time. Again, we're talking 2007. And so I was already a writer and I'd not ever blogged before, but I thought I could do this, right? This was a space that I was looking for, um, and there were only like two or three out there at the time. Um, uh, Christina Zola from uh, Solo Mom and um, Rachel Sarah and um, Kimberly Raston. And it was like three or four people, but you know, in the sea of mommy blogs, there were so few single mom blogs. Um, and so I started in 2007 when I was uh, seven months pregnant with my son and it just sort of grew from there. And then you won an award at Blogger, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was 2012. Um, so every year, to, uh, Blogger does these Voices of the Year awards where um, they pick uh, posts and bloggers who um, uh, win awards in a different different um, subjects. And my award was in the, uh, oh gosh, I want to say the identity category. And it was about um, growing up in a family in which, you know, um, my grandmother was old world Latina and being voluptuous and curvy and, and, you know, what's considered now plus size was the thing to be. You didn't want to be skin and bones. And so Mm -hmm. she was always trying to fat me up. And, you know, I was this kid growing up in the eighties where, you know, if you weren't skinny and a valley girl, who were you? (laughs) And so that kind of push and pull between those identities. And that got selected and I got to be selected as one of like only, I don't know, five or seven readers. So I read it in front of thousands of people, which was exciting and scary and nerve wracking. And then just did freelance writing from there. I was in corporate um, and then 2008, as you know, everyone knows um, the economy sort of crashed and I was at home with a one-year-old son. And so I just parlayed um, blog and writing into um, a freelance writing and editing thing that I've been doing now for going on 12 years. That's amazing. And I've, I've watched you kind of morph into different things. And I follow you on Facebook 
So I follow a paleo group that you do. So <laughs> tell us a little bit more because, you know, you talk very honestly on Facebook. How now, like more than ever, is that channel important to you? You know, I, um, I find that it's really interesting because I connect online with some people that I've known. Again, I've been in this space since 2007. My kid's going to be 13 years old in September. And so some of these people I've known upwards of a decade, um, we've been there through deaths and divorces and all sorts of good and bad things for each other. And so that channel is, you know, my social media is really important to me because it's allowed me to connect with people all over the world in real ways. People sort of poo-poo social media, like, oh, that's not real friendship. I've seen social media friendships go the distance um, and, and, and really bridge the gaps and the holes that on the ground in real life friends sometimes don't even fill. And, and it's really been important for me as a single mom to connect with other single parents, as um, a black woman who's a, a Latino woman who is raising a black son, all these different sort of fragmented pieces that make the larger integral whole. A person who at 47 is like, holy crap, my metabolism is slowing down. I have to eat differently. I have to work out, like all this stuff. And so, you know, the whole 30 paleo keto thing that I help sort of organize. I just, if I see a, a hole, a need, I sort of try to fill it because I know what it's like to feel very alone and um, like you're walking in the dark with this little flashlight that's only like six feet ahead of you and you're doing the best you can, but you're not really certain if you're doing it the right way. Once you have a community of other people who've sort of braved these sort of terrains and mm -hmm. have been the pilgrim ahead of you, so to speak, you know, um, it helps. It helps in so many different ways, especially if you're isolated on the ground. You know, you don't, maybe you're far away from your family of origin. You know, maybe you moved after college, you never went back and you're alone in a city or there are ways in which social media have filled so many gaps that I'm really grateful for. And I think, you know, touching on that, I'm grateful for, to you. I'm more of a, you know, like a watcher, like I watch what you post, but I'm shy. And I just, <laughs> I, I, I embrace when you're, you're really sharing a lot of real emotions and a lot of hard topics. And, you know, I think it's really helpful on how you're educating, at least for me, I follow you on Facebook, how you're educating people and, and sharing vulnerability. So thank you. Well, thank you for that. Thanks. Do, do you consider yourself like an influencer? It's so funny. There have been moments in um, my online social media writing career in which I've either written about something or discussed something and I can see that it's had influence. And that's always sort of a moment of like, wow, that's kind of fascinating to me. I wouldn't call myself an influencer only because it just sounds, I don't know, self-aggrandizing maybe. Well, and I'm not yeah. comfortable with that. You know, I just think that I'm, I'm good at a couple of things, right? I'm good at really being authentic and vulnerable around things that are hard to talk about and refusing to allow myself to stay in the dark because that's where shame thrives. Shame thrives in the dark. So if you're feeling ashamed about being a single parent or you're feeling ashamed about struggling with depression or anxiety or you're feeling ashamed about whatever it is you're going through, that shame sort of thrives in the dark. But once you bring it to light and you sort of outside in the open with it, that shame sort of dissipates and you find that you're not alone. And that's been really important to me. I think that people value that. I've actually also been told that maybe I, I talk, you know, I, I go a little too far and, and, I, and I am a little bit too open and honest. I don't share everything. You know, I'm, I'm very circumspect about what I share, especially when it comes to my kid. 
but I think that it's really important to sort of be honest and authentic. Um, I think that that's what people know me for. They know that if I'm going to say it, I mean it. I'm not, I'm not um, going to BS anybody. And so I think in that way, I may influence people because if I talk about something, it gives them um, the sort of suspension of disbelief to say, well, if she's talking about it, you know, at least she's, she's not, you know, BSing me here. She's not trying to sell me on anything. She's just really discussing that she's having this conversation with me that I'm willing to sort of entertain. But to call myself an in- influencer feels, I don't know, I just feel sort of, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. I feel like we've come a long way since 2007 when yeah. maybe that is when we first met. I don't know. Maybe it was that. But I'm fascinating with your whole life in New York. You've lived there your whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What right now is it like to be in the city because I'm not in the city right now and to be yeah. a single mom in the city? Well, um, so on March uh, about 11th or 12th, I started seeing the writing on the walls. Um, I started seeing how the pandemic was sort of about to play out. And um, I decided to go up to my mom who lives in Pennsylvania and gated community, very secluded. And I grabbed my kid and we went up there and, and quarantined up there. Um, so he hasn't dealt with the pandemic in the city at all. Um, but I came back to the city in May and there, at first it was really overwhelming um, because it was still in May, but still sort of in the thick of things. And it was still very anxiety producing to be out and about in the midst of the pandemic all around you, you know? So I've, I've had to give thought about what the fall is going to look like. And to be honest, I'm still wrestling with that. I don't know if I'm going to bring them into the city. I don't know if I'm going to go back up to my mom's and homeschool them in Pennsylvania. I work best when I'm in my own apartment at my own place. My mom was un- amazingly gracious. She housed us and still is housing my son, her grandchild, you know, I'm 47. Who wants to live with your mom and husband, you know? And, and, and it's like, nobody wants to do that. You know what I mean? My mom and her husband have their own way of being. And I was just sort of feeling, it's so funny because my mom has this huge house and I have this tiny apartment in Manhattan, but I was starting to feel claustrophobic with all these people in this house and having to, having to live in someone else's space. It just feels best for me to be in my own space. But I don't know that I'm comfortable bringing Theo back into the city just yet. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'm still mulling that one over. No, I get it. I mean, my parents are in Canada, so I can't see them. But <sighs> when I, when I do go home, it's like, what, you know, why aren't you, what, what did you eat for breakfast? Where are you going? <laughs> I'm, I'm, go, I'm going to the ladies room. Yeah. Is everything, you know, so yeah. it, it's very different. Yeah. Okay. So now I know you're, you're doing something new, which is really what got us, even though I follow you, got us back reconnected and that is the homeschool starter set i'm yes. fascinated with that tell us about your homeschooling experience theo and homeschooling and what the homeschool starter set is okay so my homeschool experience actually started back in 2015 um i had put him in a charter school in um, new york in manhattan where we live and that charter school is now actually it's come to light with um multiple um abuses and um negligence on their part especially with alternative learners um it was an awful experience for my kid 
he was in there for first grade and before the end of second grade, I pulled him out and homeschooled him for the remainder of second grade. For third grade, he really wanted to try going back into a brick and mortar school. And so I thought I would just put him in the local public school who had undergone an administration change. so they had a new principal. There was a lot of good things being said about him. So I, I put my kid in there and it actually turned out to be really, really good. Um, those three years, third, fourth, and fifth were really good for him. And then in sixth grade, he went to middle school. And, you know, I don't know if you know your, your boys is really young, but middle school is a gauntlet, okay? It's like, <laughs> it is a hellscape, right, of hormones and emerging awareness of self and of your surroundings. And now with smartphones, it's all these pressures and sex gets brought into the onto the table a whole lot sooner than anybody could even think about anticipating. And um, all of these challenges and pressures and add on to that if your kid is an alternative learner or if they're being bullied and it just it became quite a nightmare every day was just worse than the one prior and I was watching my kid lose this sort of light and this sort of buoyancy Mm-hmm. that kids have, right? And he wasn't that kid anymore. And I didn't want that for him. You know, I grew up in a household in which my mom's a teacher, a retired teacher and school administrator. My father was um, former law enforcement. Um, and so there was very little, you know, margin for error and things were done in a very sort of strict authoritarian way. And education was a high prime, you know, a high value. But I was, I was realizing that that wasn't how my kid works and the pressures of being in a brick and mortar school with the bullying and with all these other expectations um, was proving to be really detrimental to him and to his well-being, his overall well-being as an 11-year-old kid. And so I realized that I was going to have to pull him and not send him back for seventh grade. I almost pulled him for the remainder of sixth grade, but for for whatever reasons, I felt like I wasn't quite ready at the moment. This was in April um, of 2019. I, I didn't feel prepared. And I, and I, I, I knew that this was going to be a much larger undertaking than what I did it on at seventh at a seven years old when he was in second grade, this was a bigger endeavor. So I, I needed to feel like I knew what I was doing. So I, I let him finish out the um, remaining two months of sixth grade and knew then in April that I was going to homeschool him. So at that point started the information gathering. And it's an enormous endeavor. You know, there's a lot of information out there and you can get really um, overwhelmed and paralyzed by it all. I know I did several times um, and it took me from April to August to sort of distill and parse out everything and figure out what I thought was best for him and for us. Um, but you could really be doing that work for, for a really long time and um, still not know, you know, uh, feel like you can move forward with it. And at one point I said to myself, my God, you know, if there was one place where there I could have all of this information, I would pay for this. <laughs> I would pay for somebody to have done all of this legwork for me. Like I would be happy to do that. And I guess, you know, hearkening back to the blog, right? Like I looked, there was nobody doing, doing that. So I said, I guess I'm going to have to do it myself. And so I, um, got the domain domain name in October um, uh, after we started homeschooling for the first month and we got ourselves underway and little by little started gathering the information because, you know, all 50 states, including DC, have different requirements and parameters. So I went through all of the states to figure out, you know, what are the things that you need to do just to start your your process? 
Um, so there's state requirements and there's um, copies of the template of the letter of intent. The letter of intent is something that you have to submit to your school district to notify them that you intend to homeschool. You can't just not send your kids to school, truancy knocks on your door and says, hey, what happened, right? So mm -hmm. in order to withdraw your child from the school district that they're in at the brick and mortar level, you have to uh, submit a letter of intent. There's a template for that. There's, a there's templates for the quarterly reports that you'll have to submit to your school district so you can stay in compliance. It's like a report card so they know that your child is you know, doing what he, needs, he or she needs to be doing. A copy of the annual assessment, like the year-end assessment that you have to submit copies of, um, uh, there's a short list of curriculums. So there are so many curriculums out there that you can choose from. Everything from, you know, middle of the road to the gifted and talented to children with severe learning disabilities and everything in between. And it's hard. And so these schools, are they state-based? Like if you said, okay, I'm in New Jersey, I'm going to choose this state, or it's a school that's nationwide and you just sign up for the New Jersey, New York curriculum. Well, it's not even in New Jersey or New York. So it's usually these, these curriculums are nationwide um, and certain states have uh, certain curriculums that are required to be taught. And so you would find out which curriculums, it, you know, adhere to those requirements. But for the most part, you can be in pretty much any state and sign on to one of these curriculums and they're meeting the national standard um, unless you need something that's required for your state and then you can choose that uh, and and these curriculums that I chose for the shortlist of the curriculums are um, online based and the reason why I chose online based uh, there's a wide variety of curriculums you can choose book based where you get the book the textbooks for the entire year and you crack open the textbooks and there's workbooks and you're hands-on you and the student um, there's also online based where they go online, um, they're in a virtual classroom or they're um, interacting with something that's experiential, um, there's videos, all sorts of different learning modalities. And then there's hybrids of the two. I chose online ones and also one or two that have a hybrid of the two, but mostly online ones because this allows the work at home parent um, to, it, it affords the, the student as much um, in, in independent work as possible. You don't have to sit there cracking open a textbook, writing out a lesson plan, and engaging in that way. What you're really doing is just supervising that time, getting your work done, like with Theo and I. I sit at the same table as he does, and I'm over here doing my work. He's doing his work. If he has a question about something, then we engage on that. You know, I get to go into the parent portal and see if he's meeting the requirements, if he skipped a lesson, you know, if there's something that he got a low score on, then maybe we should review and I can help him on. There's a wide variety of ways in which to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And I chose specifically online uh, curriculums because I know that there's so many parents that are going to be working from home now. Um, when I started this, this was pre-COVID. I wasn't thinking about a pandemic, right? Like I was just thinking about how to make it easy for parents to homeschool. Now, um, in the context of this pandemic where so many parents are refusing to send their children to school in the fall, I really had to go back to the drawing board and look at the curriculums and felt I had to make the decision to choose online curriculums. So that way it afforded the child the best education as well as the parent enough time to get the work done as well. Um, so technically, um, in this new, and the, and the website is, is 
www.homeschoolstarterset.com, right? It's it's not. It's homeschoolset.com. Okay, sorry. No, that's fine. There's a difference between the name and the web the web domain, which I've been uh, screamed at by the web developer <laughs> times over. Um, but it's homeschoolset.com, yeah. and that's where you can download the the book, the starter set. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But if I needed more help, I could call you and say, "Help me! I don't know what to do. Can you create a whole program that I should?" do for my son. Yeah. So I also do that as well. It's, you know, just as a consultant, um, people would love to have somebody to, and I would do it virtually. Obviously you could walk me through your house or walk me through your, the space in which, um, the child will do the, the, the bulk of their learning. And I can set you up, set the parent up soup to nuts to, you know, for the day before they start homeschooling instruction, they feel like they're really ready. They don't feel like they're flying by the seat of their parents. They feel like they've had some sort of uh, solid, tangible advice from somebody who's done this, from somebody who's been doing this for a while. I also am constantly talking to other homeschooling families. And some of these homeschooling families have started it from pre-K onwards. And now their kids are, you know, in in high school, going into college. And so I have a wealth of information um, that I use to help people and in that, and in that capacity, I can be brought on as a consultant. Yeah, I, I love doing that. I love helping families get started in that way. I mean, I just, I know in my neighborhood, everyone's trying and scrambling to figure out what to do. And it's like, what I guess I don't understand is why can't I do both? Why can't I do the online learning with the school and then supplement that in case it falls short with some kind of homeschooling program? So you, you can't. Can. You can't, you absolutely can. And here's the thing, what you do outside of the distance learning, and so distance learning is is usually the language around the at-home learning that the, the school administers, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to homeschooling in which you as the parent, you're seeking out the cur- curriculum and you're either administering it yourself or you're supervising that, um, that happening. Mm-hmm. Now, the distance learning provided by the school district you're, you know, if you go that route, then all you're required to do is what they ask of you. It could fall short of what your standards are. It could fall short of what you feel, um, you know, your child can achieve. If you decide, and in the starter set, I not only listed curriculums, but I also listed enrichments, educational enrichments and mm-hmm. supplements. So things like coding classes, um, you know, things like online guitar classes, all sorts of things to give your child a well-balanced education. If there are things in which you feel that would augment the distance learning that your child is getting, you can do that. There's nothing, there's nothing stopping you. It's not going to give your child an official uh, transcript of mm-hmm. those classes. Okay. Those classes won't turn up in an official transcript, right? But that's, for some families, that's not important. What's important is if there's gaps, um, wh- what those gaps are and can you fill those gaps for them in what way. Some of these online enrichment programs are the perfect way to do that, especially now when you're not, your kid's not going to soccer, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so maybe an online gym class or, you know, my son loved his Wednesday um, guitar lessons over the guitar school in wow. Utah, Manhattan. He doesn't get that anymore, but he still has his instructor. They do their Zoom class every week. And so he hasn't fallen short of anything. His instructor was like, he's doing so well. He's just a natural musician. The fact that it was online hasn't allowed him to slip in, in any ways. Is that that's, just what I'm saying? Yeah. That's amazing. So what do you think? I know a lot of parents are torn. Do you think 
no one knows what's going to happen with school. Do you think, and this is a big question to ask you, but homeschool or not to homeschool, like should parents be pulling their kids out or not? I, um, you know, again, there's, right, there's these, um, as many opinions on that as I can't even imagine. If my school offered distance learning and I wasn't already a homeschool mm-hmm. kid, uh, I would be doing distance learning. I wouldn't be sending my kid into a school, a brick and mortar school, A, for his safety, his mm-hmm. health and safety, um, B, for my own, right? I don't know what he'll bring home to me. And also, you know, a lot of us talk about these kids and their well, their health and their safety, and that's paramount, obviously. But I'm the daughter of a teacher, of a former teacher and school administrator. What about all these teachers that are going and walking into these brick and mortar schools who could be literally risking their lives? These aren't first responders. They're not, they didn't sign on to risk their lives, right? They signed on to teach kids and they could be walking into brick and mortar situations that they're being asked to risk their lives or they're being asked to bring something home that could risk the life of of an elderly parent who lives at home or an immunocompromised family member. Um, Mm -hmm. These are all situations in which I can't help but think about. And because of all those pieces, I, um, if I, my, if my child were already going to brick and mortar school and my uh, school district offered distance learning, I would take that first and foremost, and I would also supplement um, with either online or, um, you know, offline, him and I, um, books, whatever. As a homeschooling parent already, if I had a child who was already struggling in school in any way, academically, socio-emotionally, um, and they found that last year, towards the end of the year, the distance learning ramped up anxiety, um, caused them to fall even further behind in their grades, was, was, was a disservice to them in any way, I would pull them from the distance learning altogether and seek out a curriculum that's more along their particular a- academic needs. Parents forget, I think, that that's a, a perfectly well within our right as a parent thing to do, to determine the level of education for child and if we see that that education is either causing harm or isn't meeting standards or whatever the case may be it's absolutely right to go out there and say you know what this curriculum sounds amazing it's right up my kids alley they don't have to deal with this constant you know stressor of meeting these goals of the distance learning we can do it at our own pace everybody's happy and the goals are still being met so many parents don't know that there's options out there there's so many options out there now more than ever well now it's all coming to the forefront so Mm -hmm. Very, very helpful information. What do you think the future looks like for these kids? I sadly think that um, I read an article, gosh, I don't remember, I can't remember if it was Washington Poster, um, that said that really there's there's no way to expect any semblance of normality until 2022. So that means all of next year is going to be sort of navigating this new landscape and trying to move the needle towards um, obviously the least amount of infections possible. And I think that if out of all of us, these kids will weather the storms probably better than all of us older folks will. <laughs> I think that so much of their lives is online that this trajectory isn't as jarring for them as it is for, for a lot of adults. And I think that what we as parents have to do is we have to be more intentional with the time that we're spending with our kids offline. 
I think that, you know, before it was like when we were, we were hanging around the house, we could just get on our devices or, you know, sort of check out. But if we're doing that all day anyway, <laughs> then we sort of have to figure out different ways to connect that are offline, even if it's just for a little while every day, just to check in, you know. No, I agree. I agree. What do you think the future holds for you, Isa? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I can never see around the next corner of this life of mine, the twists and turns. So I just, uh, I'm hoping for lots of um, abundance, you know, whether it be in, you know, finances and love and health. And I want to be able to um, continue to give to others and help others and be a support to others. So which you do every day. So thank you. And we wish you a lot of abundance as well. (laughs) Thanks. I'll end with my question that I always ask. Um, Name an influencer you love to follow, but hate to admit that you do. Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, You know, I would say Cardi B. But I don't even hate to admit it anymore. You know what I mean? It just is what it is. Like, she's just, I love her. She is, you know, again, like I said earlier, I love authenticity and she's about as authentic as it comes. Right. (laughs) Well, awesome. Thank you so much. This has been so helpful. And uh, we are just, I'm so thankful. And I know our community is going to be very thankful to hear all these tips. So Wishing you all the best and hopefully Thank you so much. Hopefully I'll get to see you one of these days soon. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Beyond the Box, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. Beyond the Box is brought to you by Babblebox with your host, Sherry Langbert. Visit podcast.babblebox.com for more episodes and influencer marketing secrets.